The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And as always, we do thank you for listening to America's Web Radio. And it's time now. It's Friday. It's time now for the business hour on America's Web Radio. And I can hear a little bit in the background. We have our guests on. Uh, They've been on a couple of times now. And we like to keep track of them because they have such an interesting product. And uh, let's welcome again Tom Burns from... BaggerBot.com. Tom, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, David. Thank you for having me on. Well, you're welcome, and uh, we uh, like to keep track of the product that you have, and it's just a very quick synopsis from me, and that is that BaggerBot.com, Bagger is a machine that will produce... And ready to go, 1,600 sandbags per minute, or per minute, per hour. And uh, per minute would be a little fast, but per hour. And as we are going into our hurricane season shortly, in fact, I guess we're probably already in it, uh, we've got we've got to put the word out about the bagger bot that uh, it is available and... Uh, all you have to do is go online to baggerbot.com and uh, call Tom Burns. And I I renamed him to his actual name. Instead of calling him Tom Banks, I'm calling him by his real name, Tom Burns. And uh, he's out in the area that I did my basic and AIT in, which is Monterey, California. So, Tom, what have we got new going on? Well, we actually have been receiving interest from local recyclers that want to take the products that they take that they receive from the public, and they make about 40 different products from the waste that they are taking in on a daily basis, and what they do is they grind it up, whether it's concrete, wood products, shavings, plastics and they grind it all down into different forms and as I mentioned they had about 40 different products and they've asked us to see if we can come up with a way to uh, bag that Uh, in California I'm not 100% sure if it's the law but they want to take 50% of the recyclable waste and give it back to the local communities where they came from and Obviously, they have to make sure it's clean, and they treat it, and they make sure that everything is um, looks good, meaning that they take a lot of the wood products, and they actually dye the wood products to give it a natural color to make sure it all looks uniform for landscaping and for around people's homes. So they've asked us to take and come up with a couple different ideas of how to use the BaggerBot in order to bag the product. It originally wasn't designed for that. Uh, at least that, that wasn't the original purpose. It was really for sand and gravel bags, but just that we've been talking and I'm trying to find a biodegradable bag 
because the bags that I know about would either be burlap or a polypropylene type of bag or, uh, as I mentioned uh, before, there's 140 different types of bags that I've been told that are out there, and that even includes cam you know, canvas bags, paper bags, uh, which is what we're looking at, um, and, and possibly even like uh, pillowcases modified uh, to be able to make them uh, biodegradable. So um, they would be 100% cotton. So we're looking into a couple different ideas of what types of bags we could get in large quantities in order to uh, meet the demands of what the recyclers are looking for uh, to be able to uh, put their names on it and uh, sell it uh, back to the public or give it back to the public, whatever they would choose to do. So uh, that's kind of just a quick summary of what, a couple things that are happening right now. I think it's amazing, and you've certainly uh, <laughs> given me an education in it. You, uh, you know, when you think of a sandbag, you think of a sandbag. And you don't think of all the other options that you have, but yet, uh, you know, everything from fertilizer to this to that comes in a bag. And, uh, you know, I, I can see um, bagging, and, you know, it's also true about pine bark. Uh, I don't know if you all use a lot of pine bark over there, but we do over here in the south. And um, as a... Uh, uh, filler around for our flower beds and so forth and uh, it makes a good looking uh, for a cover and uh, it comes in bags and I can see many many uses for your product the bagger bot and uh, combining it with so many other things and uh we're going to get you in touch, and we're working on it, believe it or not. I know you're probably having a hard time believing it, but I'm having a hard time getting the guy that has the telephone number uh, for uh, New Orleans. But we are going to get him tied down one of these days. And as, like I said, as the hurricane season approaches, I can see so many cities needing this ready to go. And uh, basically what you said is that you back it up to a quarry of some sort and uh, feed your machine and out pops the uh, sandbag or the bag of whatever the product happens to be. And I, uh, I didn't know uh, different until you taught me about it that the different needs require different types of material. Yes, that's. True. Uh, the one thing that was interesting with the recyclers, and I just literally went to a recycler that's right down the street from where my office is at in Santa Clara, California, and they had mountains and mountains of all different types of products that they had ground up, meaning that they're approximately, you know, 60 to 100 feet tall by, you know, a block wide or something along those lines. It, it was really quite um, amazing to see the amount of waste and what they're trying to recycle and what they're trying to reuse and all different products and uh, and and then when you when you go into the the facility there's literally trucks and vehicles that are backed up you know and they're all coming in and they're getting onto the scales and they're weighing what they're bringing in and 
people are paying to obviously get rid of the garbage and to you know everything that's being recycled but it really is quite uh, impressive the operations that these recycling firms uh, operate so you could literally park a machine there bring in a front end loader and go to town that's correct they uh when I was just having a quick conversation, um, and we were just talking about the size and the quantities of what they um, recycle in just this one facility, um, they were talking about even at 50%, they were looking at, we did a quick calculation based on 35 or 40 pounds a bag, and if I can find a biodegradable material, they don't want anything that will last more than let's say five years, but it has to be able to withstand a little bit of rain and a little bit of wind, and it can't rip easily. So that's kind of why we're looking at uh, pillowcases or a canvas material or uh, the product, I think. I mean, I'm not on their business side, but because people pay to get rid of all this garbage, they literally have the material for free, and we just need to, you know, bag it for them. And I'm not sure if they're going to put their name on it or... We had talked about how we're going to put the weights on there because the state has a pretty um, rigid, when you, whenever you put a weight on a bag, you have to prove it. And I was saying to them to maybe we would just take and say something along the lines that, you know, approximately 35 pounds, you know, plus or minus 10% type of a thought process uh, for each, each of the bags that they would, uh, you know, recycle basically. And... Uh, either give back to the public or uh, use it for uh, some other use. What's interesting is they were talking to me that they were trying to hook up with Lowe's and with Home Depot, and they were explaining that a lot of the materials are brought in from out of state, and they're transported, and they were saying that between the high cost of gas and all the handling of the materials, it would be much easier to take in bag it and sell it at the local Home Depots and the local local uh, Lowe's. I'm not sure how they would do that or what their final answer is, but I, I do think that it's interesting that they're thinking along those lines because to me that makes a lot of sense where people need the product, take and bag it and, and give it back to them and maybe give them a break on the pricing and everybody's happy. <laughs> you know, the one scary thing about what you're saying... When you started talking about pillowcases, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, Mr. Pillow will be involved. Mike Lindell will jump in the middle of this some way or the other. That would be a good idea. Maybe I should call him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got an answer for everything else in, with pillowcases, so why not Mr. Pillow and, and Bagger Bot working together? What a combination. That's actually a good idea. I actually just wrote it down. I think I will see if I can get a hold of him. <laughs> well, if you do, tell him to give me a call, too, would you? Yes, I, can, I will do that. Okay. Uh, I guess I guess he has done so much advertising that, uh, you know, everybody knows him. And uh, if he were to get involved... All of a sudden, it is the best deal I've ever seen and the best offer that you'll ever get from BaggerBot. Let it pull up to your front doors. Oh, well, you can't pull into a front doorstep, I guess. But, no, I can see him going crazy over this and another way to sell his products. But, anyway, uh, 
I think it's exciting. And what do you have a contingency plan for the hurricane season? And if if a city is needing one, uh, what what do we do? Well, what I'm looking to do right this moment, since we're running the crowdfunding campaign on startengine.com uh, backslash baggerbot, we are obtaining the funds needed to build the first two machines. So right now we're actively selling stock in the company, and I'm taking orders for people that would like to uh, either lease a bagger bot or lease to own a bagger bot or uh, just want to have a million bags filled or 500,000 bags filled uh, with whatever their product is and with their own labeling. And the idea is, you know, to just have the machine brought to the facility and we can basically bag rice or anything less than uh, 1.5 inches in width, we can bag uh, with the bagging machine. Uh, and and there's another uh, point is it has to be able to flow through the machine, meaning that it can't be like glue or a paste or something that um, would bind to uh, the sides of it. Even though on the inside <clears throat> we do have vibrators that are on the chutes and on the assemblies that are near the top of it, and we've also talked about adding ceramic coatings or non-friction, you know, so that everything would slip on it, meaning we would uh, put a ceramic coating on the inside or even some high-end epoxies that are very uh, slippery. Uh, so I'm not going to say we can do every product, but I would say that we can, you know, 95% of all products can can flow through the machine. And uh, so we're looking to take orders. So I'm looking to take purchase orders or agreements or just you know, figure out a way to meet the demand for anybody that needs to bag something uh, for any any reason. There, there are people that are actually using sandbags to make homes, and we've had multiple conversations with different uh, sandbag home builders, and there's a couple different methods, and we were talking about going with uh, longer bags, meaning something the size of a pillowcase or maybe a, a little bit thinner, um, uh, and then make it five or six feet long and then fill that. And that may be an 80-pound bag. And we've been in discussions, and on the, the BaggerBot, we have a design that we can handle pretty much width-wise up to two feet. And from a length standpoint, like five or six feet um, would be the longest that we could uh, put into you know through the machine. You know, I... I my degree is in agriculture, so I keep coming back to the farm and the uh, farm waste products. Be it a uh, a large uh, feeding operation, cow feeding operation, and our chicken feeding operation, and uh, I'm sure that could be handled quite easily with the bagger bot. It might not be the favorite place for a guy to work, but. I'm sure it could be uh, handled and bagged, and uh, what a great way to sell manure. I agree. That would be uh, a good use for the machine. And uh, just, just as long as it's not too clumpy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I've uh, shoveled my fair share at my uncle's ranch, and uh, 
you know, you were talking about he would he would take his bulldozer and we'd clean out one of his uh, holding pens and um, where we branded and did all the other stuff. And about uh, once or twice a year, we'd take part of the fencing down and my uncle would go crazy with his bulldozer. And all of a sudden, we had about a 60-foot high uh, <laughs> exposure there. And uh, I've gotten to shovel that into Dodge Power Wagons, but I'd much rather see a bagger bot there sending it into bags to sell. And, uh, you know, and for feedlots, I would think this would be, uh, you know, once it, 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 they have to pull it out, it has to be dried, obviously. But uh, beyond that, I could see it being a blessing in disguise and another funding source for feedlots. Yes, I, I think just as long as the material can flow, because I've, I have shoveled manure in my life also, and I've also, you know, uh, moved corn around and moved other uh, farming products and just as long as it flows there there would be no problem um and they you know i'm not sure i do agree that if once they dry it out and they they break it up uh so that it's not in gigantic clumps or whatever but um you know that would be on the uh i I've, i haven't run manure through the machine i i have to admit the, the main point of the machine was to run sand and gravel through it that was the what it was designed for and that was the original uh, intent and that included wet sand wet wet gravel and it does change with the consistency and we there's a lot of adjustments that are needed on the machine depe- depending on the viscosity uh, running through there so um, so it, it's true so it's almost got to be like a cake batter where you can pour it uh, is is more along the lines of what uh, what it would look like on the uh, the clumpier side or whatever and even if it's dry just as long as it doesn't bond together um too tight uh the between the vibrators that are on there and the design is the shoots are pretty close to straight up and down now um and then we have some uh, guides in there that break up uh any any clumping that's in there uh but the idea is once it gets into the top of the hopper it shoots straight through into the three different uh, spots shoot, you know, going down and in, in, into the bags, and so it's between gravity and the sides being almost straight up and down is what uh, helps it flow through through the top of the machine. Okay, Tom, we're going to have to take our first break. We'll be back with Tom Burns talking about the bagger bot right after this. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. 
Veteran-owned America's Web Radio endorses and supports Dr. Rich McCormick for Georgia's 6th District, U.S. House of Representatives. As a decorated Marine helicopter pilot, and now an emergency room doctor who served on the front lines against COVID-19, Dr. Rich McCormick has never been afraid of a fight. Whether it's communist China abroad, or the radical left in America, Rich knows the next fight facing America is to stop socialism. He's all in. Vote for Rich McCormick. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, and we're back on the Business Hour on America's Web Radio with our guest Tom Burns talking about the bagger bot and the potential of using it in agriculture, the potential of using it in a waste management situation. And it just seems like, Tom, that there's no end to the possibilities. I agree. It's, I do agree that if you think about you know, how many bags there are in the world and all the different products, whether it's you know, dog food or rice or people that are trying to make you know, homes out of it, it's probably the cheapest way to build a home for people. The, the biggest issues, they can either dome it at the top for a home or they can come with a you know, canvas material to go over to the top. But it's not, it, it, the main point would be for temporary housing, but there are many different groups that are using it for permanent housing. And they kind of look like the old adobe homes that were on the southwest where they had one foot thick walls and they really didn't need air conditioning because because the walls were so thick and they were so well insulated you wouldn't need to take and have uh, heating or air conditioning it would keep it pretty uh, temperate but you could add that if if you wanted to it's almost like building into the side of a hill in a way exactly and uh the, the difference is it takes um, it the, takes the person with vision, and unfortunately, uh, we don't have the visions that uh, a lot of folks used to have, or it, it's taken time away to be, become creative. But I could certainly see this, you know, in a uh, drier climate, and... Uh, you know, just like just like you said, the old adobe houses, the Indians taught us how to make them. The the dwellings in in uh, everywhere from Colorado to uh, New Mexico, and uh, been to many of them, and uh, they they used their brains, and uh, they knew how to keep cool, and it also kept them warm, and. Uh, you know, I just again, I just look at this though as as the answer to flood control in many cases, where we we get the damage from a hurricane or from massive rain, and uh, we're able to, or you're able to or your machine is able to uh, go into a location and produce an incredible number of sandbags that you know manpower just can't do it. And That's we, correct. I, we had a, a lot of we've had a lot of interest with the insurance companies. Have in, they really like the design? What they want is they want me to bring the Baggerbot to market, and they've told me that they'll be one of my best customers uh, when we have multiple machines and uh, they're out there and ready to be hired, basically. So 
they will have a game plan of what they want us to protect and the idea is just that we will uh, set up and make as many bags as they want and they'll figure out a way to um, surround whatever facility or whatever house they want to protect that is what they are um, they, they were talking to me about you know, I, I've got to ask, Tom, and you've already uh, given me education on materials. Is there, <laughs> this is going to really sound stupid, but uh, does the machine come with instructions on how to lay the bags? Is there, you know, everybody, or you see them leaning up against the walls, keeping the water out of the house or whatever like that, but if you wanted uh, to move, say, two feet away from your house structure, uh, would there be a certain way that you would uh, lay the bags as opposed to just a straight line of them? Yes, there is. The uh, Army Corps of Engineers has spent a lot of time and money perfecting the design, and they literally have manuals, whether you're building them for berms that are along rivers and waterways and creeks and things of that nature that, you know, are creeks today, but in the middle of a, you know, a 10-inch uh, in 24-hour rainstorm, uh, they turn into raging rivers and they jump the banks. We While we were developing the Baggerbot, I had multiple calls of towns and areas up and down the Mississippi River, all the way from Minnesota, all the way down to New Orleans, and they literally wanted me to bring the prototype uh, to their locations to help save uh, cities and towns and things of that nature. And I had said to them that I can't do that right now, but there is a lot of information that's out there that the Army Corps Engineers has put together. Uh, I've seen it, and I have, uh, if somebody was to call me, I, I could give them the information, but you are 100% correct. There are tried and true methods and ways to put sandbags and how you stack them and the way you uh, you know, position them in order to protect uh, different facilities. Uh, there may also be uh, pumps uh, that could be used with a generator if there was a little bit of a seepage, meaning if it was a very large facility and you wanted to make sure that everything you know kept perfectly uh, dry uh, they, they would just even even seepage wouldn't be a good thing so uh, there are a lot of methods and there are uh, predetermined ways to save facilities and towns and homes everything you know I hate to bring this up but I am familiar with um Fort Leonard, and I'm sure they're part of the uh, the operation plan of how you stack your bags. But with that being said, I'm I'm sure there's all they also look at it from the military standpoint. Uh, everybody knows, or anybody that served has filled their fair share of sandbags uh, for protection. And I'm sure again that there are ways that they stack better, they work better, they. Are, better as far as uh, defending a, a location uh, and I'm sure that again uh, at some point bagger bots will be brought into the military uh, where there's a zone uh, right now it would be certainly Ukraine 
and the demand for sandbags there for protection from the uh, incoming. And, uh, you know, I, I just think you're... How did you have this idea? Did you Were you asleep one night and said, I think I'm going to invent a, a thing to fill sandbags up? Well, what happened was I had my um, son was playing a baseball game, and there was another father that was at the game, and it was actually his idea uh, to take in to do this. And he and I were talking about it, and he is a robotics engineer, um, and I'm a mechanical person. I've been doing mechanical contracting for over 40 years, and he was explaining to me some of the issues with all the different types of bags and all the different types of fill, and he was. we were talking about it, and I said to him that um, I thought I could help take care of the issue with all the different types of bags and the different types of fill, and if we worked together, we would be able to put this together, and, um, and what, that is what we did. We, we invented and built the bagger button. We have patents in the United States and China. The patent in China, in theory, is actually potentially more valuable than the patent in the United States if China was to back up their patents. I'm not, I've heard conflicting information whether they do or don't take care of people that issue patents. In China, the patent is for a transportable bagging machine for anywhere, any place, anyhow. The patent in the United States is specifically along the lines for sand and gravel bags is the uh, intent of the patent. And this is a, you know, a gross overview, but that is what the patent uh, was issued for in the United States. So, and you really get into the details. I don't know if anybody has ever tried to pull a patent or tried to, you know, go through that. It, it takes many, many, many rounds of going back and forth between the patent office and dialing in every specific detail of how the machine is put together and all the specifics and it's really kind of an amazing um, procedure to, to go through something like that. So it, it probably, to obtain the patent, I would say that was about a two and a half year to three year endeavor well, for the United uh, States specifically. Yeah. And, and in China, it was probably two years. Describe about how big it is. Well, the BaggerBot itself, the original prototype that we had set up was approximately eight and a half feet by 36 feet long. On the new BaggerBot, because the weight issue was, the original machine was approximately 18,000 pounds. The new machine, uh, which is the BaggerBot, we designed it to be under 10,000 pounds, and it's 8 foot by 20 foot. It's a high bay cargo container, and it is designed to be able to hold 800,000 pounds on top of the machine, so that if we were to put it on cargo ships and send it, Overseas, and it was on the bottom, and there were two of them stacked next to each other. They could hold the weight of all the other containers. Wow. So the 8-foot by 20-foot cargo container, the point of being under 10,000 pounds, the Department of Transportation in the United States has different classifications when you go over 10,000 pounds for what you're carrying versus under 10,000 pounds, and they're made to be stacked either with, let's say, a 350 truck, 
uh, with a trailer assembly that could uh, pivot and pick up basically any 8-foot by 20-foot cargo container, or it could go on to semis onto a flatbed, a low boy, and we would be able to put those on two of them on the back of a 40-foot uh, semi. Tom, Tom we're going to we're gonna have to okay. stop there and take a break. We'll be back with Tom Burns right after a couple of messages. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio, or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall, and we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Veteran-owned America's Web Radio endorses and supports Dr. Rich McCormick for Georgia's 6th District, U.S. House of Representatives. As a decorated Marine helicopter pilot, and now an emergency room doctor who served on the front lines against COVID-19, Dr. Rich McCormick has never been afraid of a fight. Whether it's communist China abroad, or the radical left in America, Rich knows the next fight facing America is to stop socialism. He's all in. Vote for Rich McCormick. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And you're back on the Business Hour on America's Web Radio in Atlanta, Georgia. And we've got, from California, Mr. Tom Burns with BaggerBot. And I find it a fascinating piece of equipment and uh, I've seen it in action via video, but I can't wait to get out to California one of these days and meet Tom and meet his bagger bot. And I just think that this is going to revolutionize the fight against encroaching waters. And whether it's like you mentioned, Tom, or uh, on a river situation, excessive rain, and I know around Monterey they get some, some real rain, and we'd we'd put on our poncho just in time for the sun to come out. But anyway, uh, I can see it working for hurricanes, uh, rains, uh, just uh, any number of things. And uh, the products that I think will be sold through bagging with the bagger bot is just endless. Uh, I think you'll start getting charcoal. You'll start getting just on and on and on the different products that, you know, how, right now, how are they bagging some of those products like uh, hickory chips? Well, a lot of the materials are being bagged with products that are not necessarily recyclable. So I actually didn't realize that that was as big an issue until I just recently started talking with the local recyclers that they don't like, if you sit and think about the United States and you think about all different types of bags, whether it's dog food, rice, 
you know, a lot of the materials that are bagged, especially in bulk, they are not necessarily biodegradable, meaning they're going to last, you know, in a landfill well over 100 years in, in some cases because they do have, like, UV inhibitors to stop the sunlight from destroying the bags. And if you take wood chips as an example, it has to take and make sure that when people are throwing the bags around, like into the back of pickup trucks or they're, they're moving them, that they're not going to shatter and, you know, make a mess, you know, everywhere. So customers, I think, are looking at, they don't want them to shatter, but on the other end, and this is based on my conversations with the recyclers, I did not realize that there's an issue with biodegradable bags. They used to take and use the burlap bags for almost everything, and the problem was when it came to sand and gravel bags specifically, they used to soak the sandbags in diesel fuel to stop the sunlight and from pests and things of that nature from breaking breaking them down too quickly. And then that became an issue with the waterways and people's drinking water and contamination. So there's a real push right now. So if anybody out there who's listening knows of a very tough biodegradable bag, I think when I was talking to the recyclers, they were asking me to find bags for them to that they could use and be able to sell their products uh, that they're recycling because they don't want them cause another problem so if they're recycling it and they're grinding everything up they want that bag to be completely biodegrade you know broken down in five years or eight years somewhere in those time frames would be reasonable um so you don't want it to disintegrate you know when the people are using it they may have to store these these bags if let's just say they made you know a million bags they may have to store them indoors when they sell them and then there may be something along the lines of a you know you need to install the whether it's bark or it's uh, you know base rock or it's you know wood chips or um, whatever they're manufacturing even sawdust they actually bag that up you you could take and say that hey this bag uh, is to be used meaning it put an expiration date on the bag is what Mm. I think is the answer but I'm I am not an expert on bags but I'm I'm learning a lot on a daily basis. <laughs> okay, let me ask you this, Tom. Would there ever be something like, uh, okay, uh, I buy, well, let's say it's a dog food. I'm buying dog food. And uh, out of one that is, the bag is loaded by the bagger bot. And would there be a situation where I save my 10 dog bag or 10 bags that I've fed my dog with or whatever, and then I bring them back for recycling? And yes, I do. I think, as far as you know, here in California, they have written that into law that the majority of all products they don't want any more McDonald's styrofoam. They don't want uh, items that are going to be in the dump or you know filling up landfills for a thousand years. They are actively thinking about ways to make products that can be put back to use. Oh, pretty much immediately, they, it can be reprocessed at these recycling centers and brought back to the public in all different forms. Whether you're making bumper curbs for you know cars and parking lots, or you're making benches out of it, or you're making picnic tables, 
I don't know all the different thoughts and ideas that are out there, but according to the people that I've been talking with, that is where their mind is, and they want they don't want things to last a thousand years. Okay, let me ask: Have have you run uh, recycled bags for the bagger bot? Have you? Is that? Does there is there any problem with sewing a recycled bag? Well, that is the issue. As I mentioned, I'm not an expert with that, but I have run cloth bags, canvas bags, burlap bags, polypropylene type of bags. Uh, there are many. Like I mentioned, there's 140 different pipes types of bags, and they even have the paper bags that have like a a plastic lining on the inside of them, which. If you think back uh, maybe 40 or 50 years ago, I remember seeing those types of um, cardboard box type of bag on the outside. It was kind of uh, not as thick as a cardboard box, but it was thin paper product with a plastic lining on there. And I think those were better for the environment than a lot of the bags you pick up now and you're buying from the stores. And, And like I said, I'm learning as I go that those bags last a very long time in the landfills. Interesting. So there are a lot of subjects that have to be broached with the baggerbot, but it sounds like the baggerbot is the answer to a lot of situations. Yes, so if there's any listeners out there that know about a biodegradable bag that, uh, you know, let's say a 35 to 40-pound bag, the pillowcase idea was just me brainstorming and trying to figure out what could work, meaning 100% cotton uh, pillowcase. I, you know, that would be the like a perfect product. The only issue with that is if it was a product that was out in the rain, that would actually probably. So if you had dog food and you had a pillowcase type of a bag and it was 100% cotton, that would probably not be good. There'd have to be something on there to stop the water from penetrating that so if there's any listeners out there that know about biodegradable bags that are are fairly tough and they break down within five to eight years i would love for them to give me a call and let's go over that as a matter of fact uh not necessarily your telephone number but people can find out more about the bagger bot by going to baggerbot.com correct that is correct and that's b-a-g-g-e-r bot.com that is correct and uh, we certainly invite any uh, county state city local whatever to check out your website and check out uh, what I think is a great idea and will be seen more and more as uh, situations call for them and uh Right now, you all are in the process of building, and uh, if people are interested in finding out more about how they can participate with BaggerBot, again, go to their website, baggerbot.com, and uh, call for Tom Burns. And I'm sure Tom will be happy to take your call and talk to you more de- in more detail about BaggerBot. Right now, we're going to go to our third and last commercial break and we'll be back with you and with tom burns right after this 
If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio in the business hour with Mr. Tom Burns. By the way, we want to remind everybody that at 12 o'clock, we have Mark the Shark from New York on. And... um, Mark is an attorney in New York, knows all about the stuff that's going on there, and uh, we'll be talking to him at 12 o'clock, and look forward to you listening in. And if you have a question for Mark, or or Tom Burns, or anybody else that does a show here on America's Web Radio, don't hesitate to send us an email, general or gm, at americaswebradio.com. And we'll be glad to get Tom to answer it or whoever it's to. We'll get them to answer it. And if you're interested, if you've got a business that you would like to promote on America's Web Radio, let us know. Our rates are very, are great. And we certainly support our veterans. If you're a veteran and you have a business and you want a forum to discuss your business on, contact GM at America's Web Radio. So let's get back to bagging. And I just, what's the most unique thing that somebody has come to you with, Tom, and said, can you bag? Question mark. So uh, we had a call probably about six months ago, and there was a gentleman who was down in Florida, and he wanted to take and bag seashells. And he wanted to take, and I guess there's areas down there in Florida that has vast amounts of seashells that I'm not sure if they're on an island around there or what is going on, but I guess he wanted to use that for gardening, and he was asking me if, you know, we could run the seashells through the machine, and I had said yes, but if you want to keep them intact, 
meaning you know perfectly designed because in my mind seashells are fairly fragile and I was just saying that yes if you want to just bag it to put in the gardens uh, for fertilizer basically uh, for the mineral content that's in the shells then they're no problem but if you wanted to keep them perfectly intact then that may not be the perfect application for bagging uh, you know high-speed bagging uh, that material so um, I kind of left it that way and uh, so maybe you know I I may uh, I, I have his phone number I may give him a call back and ask him if he is still interested in doing it I it just said to him that I don't know that they would stay intact is what the issue is uh, running it through there because everything's moving at such a high rate of speed that uh, I, I could see the shells breaking up and it's not fun when you step on one no, that would not be fun in your bare feet. That would be a bad, bad day. If uh, especially if you've been in the water for a while and your feet are soft, that would be terrible. Yes, sir. No question about it. But that's the negative side. We like to stay on the positive side. And uh, you know, I um, I would think, depending on the shells, that uh, you know there is a possibility there. And. Um, how you load them and all of that would be a uh, a question as well. And they might, uh, with a front-end loader, you get them all stacked up and you start going into them with a front-end loader, and I, I would see that that would cause some damage as well. But, uh, you know, details. And that's just something, uh, you know, there might be such a market for it that you can overcome that. And there might be a way to... Uh, oh, that, that brings up a question. <clears throat> At some point with the bagger bot, do you see that uh, it could ever do any separation? Uh, and and this would be very small if we're talking about seashells, but um, with other products that uh, you want to, I see separation or sorting or anything like that that... Uh, you know, this one goes to the left, this one goes to the right. We could do that on the conveyor systems that feed the machine. So we do have optics technology already on the machine, uh, and we do have that set up uh, currently, you know, tied into the microprocessors. So having said that, we have extra capacity to do additional robots and additional uh, optic sensors and ad additional conveyors um, because in the end the game plan is to have no people putting the bags on the clips we actually have robots at the end of the design we're, we're nearing the end we're working with San Jose State University the mechanical engineering department we've been working with them for four years and they've come close to finalizing their prototype uh, and then we have on the back end for uh, putting everything onto pallets. So in the end, the bagger bot will have approximately 11 robots, somewhere between 9 and 11 robots operating the machine internally. So it's fairly complex, but as far as sorting and dividing and things of that nature, I don't see that as an issue uh, because of the technology that's out there right now. Wow. So do you ever foresee the one robot getting ticked off at another robot and uh, have a robotic fight? 
I would hope that it would not occur. I I wouldn't want to be there when when that occurred or whatever. But uh, <laughs> I guess you could program it to do that. If kind of like the 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 bots that are on TV, you know, crashing into each other. Right. Right. <laughs> but we're doing everything in our power to make sure that never occurs. Do you, well, and I'm not really being facetious with the question, but is there a lead robot with each machine that sort of tells the other robots what to do? There is. There are two separate, or, or actually, I take that back. There are multiple microprocessors that are on the machine. Everything from the variable frequency drives that we have throughout the machine in order to adjust the speeds and adjust the flow of whatever materials are being used. So everything is adjustable for the most part on the machine. That even includes on the commercial sewing machines. Everything is basically adjustable to be able to handle all different types of fill in all different types of uh, bags. What haven't you thought of? Well, we have another idea that we were um, we, we actually were asked when all the sandbags are installed around the town and let's just say that they install to get ready for a flood let's you know we'll just pick a number a million bags let's say a million bags are installed and what happens is I I've, I've been asked what are we going to do with the old bags once it's all completed and that sounds like a divorce a that sounds design. like a divorce issue to me I'm sorry that sounds like a divorce issue to me what do you do with well, the old bag uh, that's correct and what <laughs> happens is um, once the uh, a, a town floods let's just say that for some reason they didn't get there in time they didn't seal it off from the rising water you have the waste treatment facilities, the oil facilities, and a lot of contamination, and they consider the bags kind of hazardous waste. And we were asked about, uh, can you come up with a machine that will separate the bags from the fill, and then will you treat the, um, whether it's sand or gravel, uh, that's inside the bags uh, for the waste, and you know, put the bags in door number one, and then door number two we want either the sand or gravel, and that can be treated and reused uh, for another use. So we have been asked uh, to come up with that, and we do have a design for that, And uh, but I have not, we're not ready to bring that to market yet. But we have thought about that, and but it is not finished. And the other thing is we have six foot by six foot by six foot cubic foot bags that fill in very, very, very large quantities uh, to to build gigantic walls, uh, and so we have a design for that also. But uh, the bagger bot is where we're at right this moment. Uh, but we, there are a lot of unanswered questions, uh, and you know it it there there is a lot to this in this industry. Oh, absolutely! And talking about a brand new industry, uh, there's nothing on the market like it. And let me ask uh, one one further question before we're going to have to bail out of here shortly. So you got about a half a minute or thereabouts. Um, what? Okay, we're having a flood in wherever, or we're having a hurricane, and you get your machine there. How much uh, education does it take to run it? The education is fairly simple. 
and the main point is to set it up correctly and to dial it in for whatever the product is we're putting through the hoppers. That is the main amount of time that is needed to set these machines up. So the teaching part is pretty straightforward, and I, I think within a half an hour of instruction, uh, we could have the, the people that are helping us uh, have it up and operating. That's fantastic. Well, Tom, we're going to have you back on uh, and get another report uh, on how it's coming uh, in the in the future. And uh, we appreciate you joining us today on America's Web Radio. And uh, look forward to continue to work with you and keeping posted on how the bagger bot. I, I think it's it's going to. You know, I see this as a life saving product that uh, whether it is literally or physically life-saving or just uh, saving people's properties that in turn can be life-saving. So we will have Mr. Tom Burns on and talking more about the BaggerBot in the future. If you're interested, go to BaggerBot.com, B-A-G-G-E-R-B-O-T.com, and uh, tell your city about it. Tell everybody about it because it's going to revolutionize sandbagging. No question about it. Tom, thank you for joining us today, and I hope you have a beautiful day in California on the Bay. Thank you, David. Take care. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.